I'm Gab, he's Jules. Grey and horrid skies yeah. over <coughs> West London. Jules, match day six of the Champions League. That's it. I wish I would say there was a ton going on. There isn't a ton because a lot of things are decided. <laughs> Not decided. Paris Saint-Germain scraping through. Well done, oh, well done, well I'll earned. Um, Barcelona losing, but Xavi didn't really need. Not that it mattered because they're still going through. But And I apologize to everybody who doesn't like hearing talk of Manchester United, but they, again, they leave again. us no choice. No choice. They're out. And we knew it was likely to happen, and it was beyond their control, ultimately, um, because, obviously, uh, Copenhagen beat uh, Galatasaray. Uh, but we think we have to talk fallout. We have to talk the way this game happened. Um, there's this incredible stat that we talked about before. 12 defeats in 24 games yeah. this season for Eric Ten Hag. I said on Monday that what I want to see is progress more than performance. It was likely they were going out. It's likely to lose to Liverpool. Uh, they may lose to West Ham too. I know people say, oh, it's a results business. If you say it's a results business, you're kind of a moron because it's kind of those like easy, yes, obviously. But you want to see performance because that shows you that you're going to move towards results. Yeah. Did you see a performance? Did you see a reaction from them? What I saw, Gav, is that they had to win the game to stand a chance of qualifying. And I know it's Bayern, already qualified, already top of the group, but you have to win to, right. to stay alive in this group, to, to hope that there's a draw between Copenhagen and Galatasaray and that you're actually going to go through, right? One shot on target in 95 minutes or 96 minutes. I blame one, Varane. One shot on target. How do you expect to win the game when clearly, I understand in a way that Ten Hag wanted more solidity because if you start the game and you tune it down after 15 minutes, then it's, it's even more of a disaster. But you have to win the game. You, you cannot play just not to lose it because you actually have to win. How can you have one shot on target, a Luke Shaw shot from outside of the box, and that's it? Nothing and, else? And, and I think one other thing to add to this, which I think, puts it in context. Um, I was surprised. I mean, Tuchel said he would play his strongest team, and he did. Bayern Munich, of course, is short of first place. I think, obviously, he wanted to see some sort of reaction. They have another big game coming up at the weekend against Stuttgart. He yep. wanted to see some redemption, maybe, after they were beaten 5-1 by Eintracht. I wouldn't have done it. I would have played the kids. I would have played people like Alfonso Davies or Yellow. But it's important to play. Yeah, so you're playing their best 11, right? I think, except for Shupo Moteng, who's replaced by uh, Jamal Musiala. But equally, this 11 out there, yeah, they want to play, they want to execute, but they also don't want to get injured. Exactly. They're also 50%. thinking ahead to Stuttgart, which is much more important to them. Exactly. So in some ways, it's almost like if he'd played a second 11, he would have been facing all these angry, super motivated Matthijs Tell and, and, and Kratzig and Pavlovich types. Instead, he plays these guys who yeah. are kind of like, eh. And I think that makes it more disappointing. Yeah, also. And... I mean, imagine if there'd been a draw between Copenhagen and Galatasaray. I think United fans would have rather to lose against Bayern Munich at home, but at least give it a go. Not what we saw, I'm sorry, not what we saw on Tuesday. That was just not, that was just not good enough. And to have five shots in a game like that, only one on target. And yeah, they, they didn't give much to Bayern, and Bayern scored that lovely goal by Coman, great assist by Kane. But apart from that, they had some chances, but you could see that United were structured defensively. That's not what was needed on that day. What they needed is a goal. It's, and there was no Martial, no Rashford. So again, we go back to injuries. You lose Shaw and Maguire. How did time. Martial get injured from one game to the next? No, he was ill. He was ill. And oh, he was, was ill. Ill. Yeah. Rashford was ill too. I now, I, obviously, when somebody in that situation, especially Rashford, gets ill, and, and I think this is comms matter, right? Because as far as I know, all we have is United telling us that Rashford's not selected because he's ill. I think it's important your messaging and quashing rumors. If he really is ill, I think you need to come across more convincing that Rashford is ill. Yeah, I don't know. I, again, I have no idea what he, you know, tell us what he has or whatever. No, because I, I, I have no reason to believe he's not ill. But I, given what happened before, you know, you need to think about these things. And... I, it's, there's a sense of drift, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, it's not just Ten Hag and the results, it's also the uncertainty still of the, over the ownership yeah. situation, which has not been completed yet. It's been agreed, but it hasn't been rubber-stamped. And I think that's the only point which you go forward. Although already, there's stories out there, there's stories that Julian Lopetegui is the top choice, there's 
uh, stories that Ratcliffe has met with with Graham Potter. Yeah. Um, in one sentence, do either of those two excite you? No, I mean, I, like I said on the website, like we wrote on the website together, I would I would keep Ten Hag a little bit, but I think if Ratcliffe is starting already to talk to other managers, doesn't smell good for him at all. Uh, no, it does not does not look good, and of course, maybe he just wants to know what his options are. So I don't know how United fans would feel about Graham Potter coming after what happened at Chelsea, etc. Just something important, I think, in the background of this Ratcliffe meeting Potter story. They've met before because Ratcliffe tried to bring Potter to Nice. So it's not just like, hey, hi, Graham, this is Jim Ratcliffe. You know, I fancy you as a United manager. They have history. They have, they have been in contact right. a lot in the last six to ten months, really. So... I don't know what they talked about. Maybe they talked about United. Maybe Ratcliffe really wants him at United. But they've met before. They've had. They interviewed him for the Nice job. They had long chat. They spent a lot of time together. So, and that probably would help Graham Potter if he was a race between him and Lopetegui or somebody else. So that's all, that's all I want to say. Because right. maybe United fans didn't know that detail. Yeah, I, I think it's important to put that in context. As far as Lopetegui is concerned, I like Lopetegui as a manager, but. He comes with the baggage of George Mendes. And yeah. again, and then this is, I think, is a good transition. When people, you know, we had the question on our, on our Champions League talking points on the website oh, is it time to move on from Ten Hag? I think, and, and my, my saying is no, you can't move on from Ten Hag until your house is in order. Yeah, that's, that's right. True. Until. Because the most important thing is who is going to in, who is going to decide who Ten Hag's replacement is if you move on from him. In a normal club, in normal circumstances, best practice I think is you have a director of football who does that in accordance with the chief executive and the owner or owners in this case, right? Yeah. Of these kind of four elements, right? You have right now you've got. Joel and Navram in place, representing the Glazers. We don't have Sir Jim in yet, not officially. I mean, it's going to happen, but, you know, it's not done. It's not dusted. Um, We don't have a chief executive. We have Richard Arnold, who's on his way out. Yeah. Um, And we have a director of football who, like, uh, we both know people who know John John Murta really well. I don't know him personally, right? But they say he's a good guy. He's got an eye for a player, whatever else. I, it's one of two things. Either he is really competent at his job and does have a good eye for a player, but did not feel empowered to operate as a director of football, stroke sporting director, because for whatever reason, because there's a tradition at United of backing the manager first. And it's yeah, kind of yeah, a yeah, to charge, clearly. Okay. Or he's not good at it. Or he has or been maybe, involved. He's not good at both, it. Yeah. Right? Or maybe a bit of both. My first question, if, if I'm Mercha, is what is my future at the club and will I be empowered to do things? Because if I'm not, then you need to then bring in a director of football, which I would imagine might be something they might want to do. You have to do all those but things. We know that it's going to happen, right? As soon as Sir Jim Ratcliffe is in, he's going to bring, I think he already has the sporting director, whether it's Paul Mitchell, Paolo Maldini, Dougie Friedman, wh- wh- whoever the other, because they would have received a lot of calls from people wanting that job, trust me. I'm not saying neither of those three yeah, are yeah. better than... But I'm just right. saying there are three names that are in contention. Then, for that reason, until that all gets done and sealed and you can calmly evaluate the situation, you don't, you don't make a change. No, I agree. You don't make a change now when, you know... I, I, I think they have something like... Well, they've got these two games before Christmas, right? Then the, you, you can't have this kind of knee-jerk and come in. I... No, no, but they would not sack him in now anyway. They would not but, sack him until Jim Ratcliffe comes to the club. So that might be after, after the new year now, potentially. They, they, won't, they won't do that. Nobody's in, nobody's in charge now anyway to do that, like you said, because it's such a mess again. So they would not do that now. The thing about Ten Hag, really, the more I watch them play, the more I see him. After the game on Tuesday... It's the flash interview, so I know it's not easy because you've just come off the pitch, you're disappointed, you finished fourth. Fourth in a group with Copenhagen and Galatasaray is it's a disgrace for a club like that. It's an absolute disgrace. And yet, what does he say? It's, it was a very good performance. A very good performance, he said. That's his word. He said on TNT, that's, that was a very good performance. 
One show on target, you lost one nil. You've won one game, yeah. one game well, in like, a group like this, and it's a very good performance. This is another area where I think he needs help with his messaging. But right? we've said he's in denial all season. We've said it. I, I don't know if he's in denial, right? I do know that when we in the media go and shove cameras in front of you, uh, you know, especially as you said in, in in a flash interview context, the way you come across really, really matters, right? Sometimes it's tough, sometimes you wanna be, you, you be honest, some, you always want to be accountable if you're the manager, I think in every game. And this is not what anybody wants to hear, that it was a good performance, right? But or at wasn't. least you say that, look, we're super disappointed, we're out of here, we feel like we've let everybody down because we should have qualified from this group. I saw some positive things, but it doesn't matter because we're out of the group. And what matters is we want to build on them, and I want to, and I want to show that against Liverpool, and and we're going to work hard to show it against yeah, Liverpool. His message is all wrong. But he, something like that makes more sense yeah, yeah. than coming out and talking about a good performance you know, when you have one shot on target. He's, he has taken progress for granted. Last season was a good season for United. Top four, a trophy, the League Cup. I think he thought, well, everybody said this is the impossible job. Look, first season I arrive. Old Trafford was a fortress. Didn't they win like they, they didn't lose for like three, 34 games in a row at home or something like that? Correct. Ridiculous. And I, I, I swear, it, if he would have felt like this second season, we're going to continue our progress, we're going to do this. He's been hit by injuries, to be fair, that it's not in his control to lose so many players. And again, show a Maguire half time against, against Bayern Munich. But there's problems that he brought onto himself, like the Sancho argument, whatever is happening with Rashford, all of that, you know, and you could argue that the way he's dealt with those issues have been wrong, calling out players publicly, banning journalists from press, all that kind of stuff. But I really think that he took the progress after the first season onto the second season for granted, thinking like, yeah, we're going to keep going up. And it hasn't happened like that. And I really think that at some point he's taken his eye off the ball and what backs my point up is I think all those post-match press conference or interviews that we've de debriefed all this season where he said, it was, I mean, it's never his fault. Never his fault. And it's always a good performance. Oh, they lose Arsenal. Oh, we played great. We deserve to win. No, you didn't. And loads of things like that. Uh, I lunched with somebody in football um, the other week and he said, talking about United, he said, if you notice, since Sir Alex left, the vast majority of the players who have arrived do worse at United yeah. than they did when they were before. Yeah, yeah. And then when they leave, no unless they're old, they do better somewhere else. <laughs> and I thought about it, and look, this is a game you can play at home, United fans. I'm sure it's not true of everybody. I'm sure there's counterexamples who, you know, maybe they do well and then they stink at Old Trafford and they stink afterwards or whatever. But it does really speak to a certain kind of to a certain kind of dysfunction. Now, yeah, yeah. if Ten Hag were with us, he would mention, and you know, you mentioned this, but just just to recap, because I think it is part of the part of the conversation. Obviously, Lisandro Martinez has been out all season. Yeah, Lindelof was. All, I mean, again, you should say it's just Lindelof. Yeah, but he would have played. Um, also out. Varane, you pull him back in after dropping him, which I think psychologically isn't the easiest thing to yeah. do. Obviously, you mentioned Maguire and Shaw, the injuries. No Casemiro, yeah. no Mason Mount. Yeah, Malasia. Okay, fine. Yeah, No, no Terrell Malasia and Anthony Martial. better Marcia. than Reguilón yes, back or better than Dalot back. Uh, no, he's not. Malasia, no. No, no. I will take Dalot over Malasia any no. day of the week. No, no. Sorry. Definitely I, not. Right. Well, just agree to your Yeah. No Martial, who, yeah. as you know, I think is wasting <laughs> yeah. his shirt. But, I do know. Um... So yeah, so these are his mitigating circumstances, but you still ima you still imagine in that in those conditions, you know, uh, even Bruno, right? Who I expect Bruno to be United's best or second best player every time yeah. he plays, more because of the people around him. You know, you're suspended at the weekend. This is your shot, and you know, when you said one shot on target, I, I don't know how many shots he took in the game, um, but. I would expect more from him. So, uh, to, to his defense, and I, I, I agree with your point, he played deeper than Scott McTominay in this game. So again, and I'm not, I don't want to go on and on about Ten Hag and his tactics, and we've, we've destroyed him on this show many, right. many times before. But I go back to this point where you need to win this game. Who is your most creative player? Bruno. 
Well, sorry. No, How, the, the most creative player is actually Anthony, who I'm assuming if he were doing papier-mâché paper dolls or something, yeah. would be much more impressive than Bruno. Yeah. If you're talking as a footballer, it's Bruno Fernandes. Yeah. So how come in a must-win game, again, I'm going to repeat it, Scott McTominay is the highest player on the page, certainly in, compared to Bruno Fernandes, behind the, So I, it's a good question. I picked up on that too. I didn't actually know that his average position was, was higher than Bruno Fernandes. But I, most of the time, I don't know if it was in the end, the heat map is... But I think it had to do with the fact that McTominay scored... A bunch of goals yeah, in recent in months. Position. That's not what he's and, good at. Gab. No, no, hang on a second. And I'm, I'm not saying it was the right decision. I think, having been around football people for a very long time, and they don't like to admit it, and I'm not saying everyone is like that, they go by gut feel a lot. And they go maybe even a little bit, that's why many of them are superstitious, right? Superstition, gut feel, blah, blah, blah. They have a feeling about somebody. I mean, look, people at Harvard Business School will tell you they're great. You know, managers and CEOs are like this too. But he looks at it and he says, McTominay's gotten us out of so many jams. If he can do it. Again, I don't know. But like, it, Listen, you have press- a sense about this, right? I, I'm just wondering if this is what went through his mind. I don't think. I think he's way stupid. They're pressing a 4-4-2 with McTominay and Hoyland. It was one against a team like Bayern who... It's not really press resistant. Let's be honest. Kimmich doesn't like it. Goretzka doesn't like it. Certainly, they don't. Well, they don't like it against Eintracht against no, but, this United team. I mean, they're pressing I mean. with Anthony Garnacho. No, but this was one of the worst worst press that I've seen against Bayern Munich this season. There's Bundesliga mid-table team like Heidenheim pressed better than what United did on Tuesday night. If you don't want to press, don't go. Don't go and press. Right. Just have a lower block or a medium block, and it's, that's okay. It's fine. Even at home, it's fine. Don't try and have Holland and McTominay up there when Upamecano, Kim, Masrao. I mean, just, just it was embarrassing. It right. was really embarrassing. I go back to the other thing just on Martial quickly, just because I cannot repeat this enough times. And I've said this about Chelsea. I'll say this about United as well. You cannot play a season when you're playing, especially in United's case, when you're playing European football, unlike Chelsea. You have to have three options at forward, especially in United's case, when one of them is a guy in an aspiring contract with poor fitness who, when he's fit, generally doesn't play well. That's Martial. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and the other one is a kid who's 20 years old who has just arrived. One, just arrived as one year's experience in a top five league. I, no, and, no, and then no. you could say, oh, but Rashford. Okay, leaving aside the fact that then, you know, yeah, clearly had a row with Rashford or whatever. But then Rashford is one of United is one of or should be at the start of the season we thought was United's best or second best player, right? Yeah. The, 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 next, the next option, the next solution can't be moving, disrupting your best or second best player by moving him to center forward, right? We, we agree on that. Yeah. Right? So how they found themselves in this position continues to me to be a mystery. The the the, the lack of a sense that there's a value in having a body, a finisher, somebody you can press and run around. It can be somebody you bring in on loan. It can be, it, it can be, it can be Danny Ings, you know. Yeah. I, just to take the pressure off those games when you're three 0 up, you take Hoyland off, you rest them. Those times when somebody's getting kicked, whatever, right? Yeah, it yeah, it yeah. can be somebody like that, and that I think is on Ten Hag because Ten Hag, you know. He did the transfers. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's, there's no hiding this, no, 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 right? No. It's, it's not like Murta said, ooh, let me buy Anthony even though Ten Hag doesn't want him. No, because we know he yeah, wanted him yeah, and he yeah. got him, right? That's what's really difficult to deal with. This is a manager who's, who's, who's basically was able to sign all the players that he wanted to sign. Yeah. He only chose a certain market. Yeah. And, you know, just for spits and giggles, um, the other rumor, a swap, Jaden Sancho yeah. for Daniel Marlin. Okay. Woo. Um, again, I, d- 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 this seems like another freaking joke to me where he only signs players who he's seen on TV <laughs> or, you know, well, he watches Champions League finals, right? So he's seen Casemiro. He, yeah. Uh, he's seen Onana, obviously. Oh, players who are Dutch. Yeah. Or, or, you know, he watched Chelsea last year, so he gets Mount. Um, and then a bunch of, they, they tell him Johnny Evans used to play here. All right, you know. And then the rest, everybody else is an Eredivisie alumnus. I everybody. I, I, yeah. I, I refuse to believe that is actually possible to happen. I'm assuming it would make United yeah. better because 
I mean, you yeah, lose you a guy who doesn't play for a guy who at least plays. Yeah, comes on, comes on, a, uh, like you know, in the second half for, for Dominic against PSG on Wednesday night. I don't know. I, I mean, defensively also for all the flaws going forward, like you just mentioned rightly, Gabby, they conceded I think fourteen or fifteen goals in this group stage. The more that any English team has ever conceded, it's 15. just fifteen. It's just an embarrassment, absolutely. Right. And I, I, I don't know. I, he's been a disastrous campaign. For sure, it's not the first time United back in 0506 under Fergie. They also be finished bottom of their group that year, and then not long after they won the Champions League. So it's, this is not um, the end. But when you're in this position, you know when the money of qualifying for the last 16 of your Champions League for maybe going another round to the quarters, anything like that, even maybe going to the Europa League, would have been mm. welcome at a club that is not. As rich as well, is earning money a lot, but doesn't have the power financially that he used to. Maybe. Well, they made big losses in the last Again, two years, yeah. which they'd never done before. And I think the other key difference with 0405, you know, back then your company competition were Chelsea and, and Arsenal were starting True. to fade a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's Liverpool, it's City. I mean, Chelsea aren't good, but they're still there spending a yeah, ton yeah. of money. Newcastle, we've seen what, Spurs, what, what, what they did yeah, last season. Spurs, Villa are in the top four. I mean, it is a lot tighter that way. There's better resourced opponents. And I don't think you can take for granted that you're going to qualify top four every year. No. Um, sure. I think that's a big difference. Final word on Bayern. Yeah. Okay. Did you did see Tuchel's beard? Sorry? Again? Did you see Tuchel, Did you see Tuchel's beard? Yeah. Like yeah. What? I mean, he's aged a lot, I won't lie. We're big fans, but I think he's aged a lot in the last few weeks. I think, actually, the big change in Tuchel was actually when he went to Paris Saint, when he was at Paris Saint-Germain. He was still he, handsome in Paris. He was so glamorous. So elegant. He looked like, like a stick figure. He looked like a, like, a, like a praying mantis. The city rubbed on him. He said, Chelsea, at Chelsea, you destroyed I, him. At, at Chelsea, obviously, you he had his meltdown. And now this, yeah. Um, but I'm just wondering... We disagree on whether it was right to play the starters or not. I understand why he did it. I wouldn't have done it. But did you learn anything going into the Stuttgart game? No, but we were never going to, I think. B team, A team, doesn't matter so much. So was this some kind this of is, challenge no, but, to his players? or No, but this is, I think this is a, a squad, very talented, that right now he's not getting the best at, at all, far from it. I think they've got a few gears up that they can go to. I, f I think the winter break for them is going to be good, regardless of how they uh, how they finish just before it against Stuttgart. Uh, but I expect them comes February, March. They might sign a couple of players in January. I think they will. They're in the market for to be to be better, and and I think they will be a big big threat going forward in this competition. And I think they can win it. I don't know. Yeah, I just feel. Well, are you disappointed by what you saw? But not just on Tuesday. Tuesdays. Uh, they no, no, like I didn't learn anything from this game no, as far as Bayern. You were never going to going to. But that's why, like, I actually wondered whether, what if you gave these other these other people a bit of a chance, you know? Because everybody knows the circumstances. It's, 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 it's yeah. just that. Like, well, I think the, the the assessment will be against against Stuttgart when when yeah, they come they to town. The well let's see what they can do against uh, your boy Serhu Kirasi. Yes, of course. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million dollar stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash g-a-b-j-u-l-s now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels. 
All right, Jules, enough United. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gav. I'm going to guess that it was a rather trying experience, Jules. <laughs> but in the end, Paris Saint-Germain got the point they needed away to Borussia Dortmund and are through to the round of 16. Yeah, indeed, Gav. I mean, they didn't really celebrate at the end even. It was a game where they had so many chances. I think the XG is 2.73, something like that. And yet they could only score a goal by a 17-year-old. As good as he is, as talented and promising as Warren Zaire-Emery is, it's just incredible when you think about it to miss all those chances. And they also conceded chances, of course, and Dortmund scored one, could have scored more. But for PSG, this is the story of their group stage, really. When you can't take your chances like that, you're not going to top the group. So well done to right. Dortmund, uh, and I guess well done to PSG still to scrap through which is not, nothing glorious at all in a group like this, because actually, I know you hate when we say a group of death anyway. No, it's but, a stupid expression. It's trash. But neither, I mean, neither of the other three teams in the group with PSG, two have, have been decimated by injuries, Milan and Newcastle. So played there, not their B team, it's a bit, right. but you see what I mean? The other one, Dortmund, is hot and cold all season, and yet you can only finish second in that group. It's just, it's just. Are you a full crew believer? Because when I, when I, since, when I saw so him well in person, yesterday. you played really well yesterday. When I saw him in person, I thought, "Aha! I understand your purpose. Yeah, I understand why you're you there." Played really well. I have to say, right. I have to say. And Gab, that point made what happened in the other game of this group irrelevant, except for Europa League purposes, 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 purposes. Yeah, what happened? Well, Milan came from behind to win 2-1. Um, sort of atmosphere you would expect at Newcastle. I saw Newcastle took the lead. I thought they were the better side in the first half. Uh, it was interesting. I didn't quite get any... So, Anthony Gordon, Dubravka, and Longstaff, they didn't train on Monday. Yeah. And Eddie Howe wouldn't say if they were injured, not injured. I was really surprised to see Dubravka and Gordon start. Longstaff came on. I don't know if they're playing with painkillers. I don't know if it was some sort of how Maybe mind, game, yeah, mind game uh, before that. But look, I, we said it before, Newcastle are exhausted. It's not just the injuries. It's the fact that the same people play all the time. And so they're tired. They were always going to go down in the game. Um, I think it would have been a really, really big humiliation for Milan if they'd finished bottom of this group. Yeah. Given the chances that they squandered in earlier games when, you know, they, they outplayed Dortmund, they outplayed Newcastle in the first leg. This game could have gone either way. Magic Mike made a made an Amazing incredible save. save. Uh, Pioli, I thought, you know, he got his substitutions yeah, right. Completely. Uh, when Newcastle are tired late in the game, what do you do? You send on the speedsters. You know, Chukweze and Okafor finally fit. Yeah. Um, Rafael Lau hit the post. Tomori made a, an amazing goal line well. yeah. uh, uh, clearance and yeah. hit the post. Yeah. Yeah. So all of these things together, you know, fair enough, fine. Me then live to fight another day. Yeah. For Newcastle, it's disappointing, but, you know. I think they can focus on top four six. finish and growth in the league. Yeah. Porto versus Shakhtar may not be box office yeah. for those of us who are big five fanboy obsessed, Jules, but there was something real at stake. And we saw eight goals. This was winner take all. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, you're right. They were both on nine points, so whoever won would finish second of that group behind Barcelona. I mean, you know, Porto, I think they need a big goal screen if they wanted to finish top of the, the table, and so with Shakhtar. But between them two, and it was a great game. Galeno was outstanding, involved in pretty much, I think, four of the five goals that Porto scored. Shakhtar gave a really good account of themselves, kept trying, kept attacking. Defensively, they were just not good enough for Taremi, you know, Galeno and everybody else. And, and well done to Porto. I don't know how far they can go, really. I know we're both big fan of Sergio Contessao, yeah. even one of his sons. Francisco scored the fifth goal, but they might just not be strong enough to go for, and much, much for that. Just on Shakhtar, let's also remember for those who have forgotten, because obviously when stuff goes on for a long time, people forget yeah. that you know, Shakhtar from a town called Donetsk, which right now is in the middle of war, in fact, has yeah. been taken over by, by, by Russia. Shakhtar Donetsk have to play their home games in Germany. This, yeah. the, these are the conditions yeah, exactly. under which they're working. And they will be in the Europa League as well. And Gabi Nagem, Pepe. Pep, sorry, scored to break his own record as the oldest ever Champions League goal scorer. He turns 41 before the end of the season. I am at a loss for words with this guy because when you see him play, you realize he hasn't even lost his athleticism. I mean, obviously he's lost yeah. his athleticism. Yeah, yeah, he's less, he to be less quick. But he's as athletic as he was when he was 35. So I don't know how he does it. He has, and he's got that thing where... You know, we saw him as a cartoon villain. Now he goes yeah. older, and now we're all kind of cheering for yeah. him. So, well done, Pep. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab. Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Barcelona had nothing to play for against Antwerp, so Xavi played the B team and ended up on the losing side. Jules, given the defeat to Girona, was it the right decision? Because now he's getting even more stay. He's getting even more stay. I mean, defensively, it was an atrocious performance. Jules Koundé, but especially Oyo Romeo. I mean, Southampton legend, I give him that. But in this game, against Antwerp, again, no offense to Antwerp, Marc van Bommel, Vermeerin, your, your favorite young Belgian prodigy. But Romeo was horrendous. He made those big mistakes, one very early on after a minute when Vermeerin scored, and then another one in the second half when Jensen scored. He cost two goals to his team. He was completely useless. I don't know what happened in... Xavi's head, considering the defeat against Girona, the situation that he's in, even if they were already qualifying and pretty much certain to finish top of that group, why he did that? Well, we talked about Tuchel. Yeah. And I'm going to be consistent here. And like, obviously, they should have done better. And obviously, Barcelona's B team should have put on a better showing than yeah. this. Um, but you find out what these people are made for. Or are made of. You find out when you go and you talk to these people, guys, you're playing Antwerp. We've lost every game. They'll be highly motivated, but whatever, right? Show me that you need to be in the starting 11. Yeah. In fact, maybe he even went to Jules Koundé because his performance was I mean, great. Either. Show me you need to be in the starting 11, Jules. Of course, he doesn't have other center backs because Inigo Martinez is always injured. And Christensen, of course, came off uh, again. But I, I think he needs to revise yeah. this. You find out what you have in a game that doesn't matter. Um, but, so I'm going to stick with Xavi. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, judge him sure. going forward. Not too sure. Pep Guardiola also sends out a second string team away at Red Star Belgrade. Except how much did he win? 3-2. And we got to see two very exciting youngsters. Yeah, Michael, Michael Hamilton. His first ever professional game, or first ever senior game. Yeah. Anyway, um, I thought that was tremendous. The way he won the penalty is the kind of thing that yeah. you sort of excuse at this. He was fouled, but yeah, throwing yeah. himself he in. Went, you got to learn to make it a bit more uh, believable there, dog. It worked for you this time. might not work in the future in the Premier League. Uh, Oscar Bob, who I've made fun of because he's a silly name. but Lovely goal. A, a tremendous goal. Lovely I goal. mean, that's highlight real stuff. Yeah, I, I thought. Yeah, completely. The, that kind of finish. Uh, but shout out to Red Star as well. You know, they said they would put on, they, they would put up a fight. They did. They, they scored two goals. Super defensive at the beginning. It was obvious what they were going to try to do. But then they got into it. They played a little bit. I, you know, I didn't mind this game. We mentioned a few shows ago, but they finally beat the, the record of the most home league games without a defeat that Real Madrid owned since the, the Stefano years. Because last week, I think, they won at home. They hadn't played at home for a whole month or something. They won, which now they're unbeaten in 122 league home games. Right. Oh, it's good. Let's hope Manchester City doesn't join the, uh, the Serbian, Serbian League. league. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Enough dead rubbers, Jules. How about Copenhagen uh, against Galatasaray? A clash for all the marbles. Incredible park and the atmosphere. And the surprise, really, more than Real Sociedad, more than anyone else in this group stage of the Champions League, Copenhagen, to come out of this group, finish second behind Bayern Munich. They won one nil. They scored a great team goal. They lost Leraga Le at the end to a red card. They fought their way to keep the score and qualify for the f only the second time in their history. The last time it was 2010-2011 when they went to the, the last 16. The, the third in the Danish Incredible. league. And I, I want to say this, like when people, when people talk about, oh, people only want to see the big teams on television, stuff like that, you can make a lot of money also from stadium atmosphere, from, from match days, whatever. Yeah. What they put on there at the parking, and I'm just watching on television, yeah. 
Uh, that was tremendous. It was amazing. Um, I feel yeah. a little bit for Maurito Icardi and the fact that... I know. But we'll get to that see them in the Europa League. It was the of the season, though, so... It was bad. Interface, Real Sociedad, San Siro with first place in the group at stake. It finished nil-nil, which means that Simon Inzaghi's crew are second. Gab, were you a bit surprised I rested Barella, Lautaro and Bastoni? I think he's been really disrespectful to this competition, by the way, between you and I, by keeping rotating heavily in Europe every time. And now look, imagine that they play Man City now in the last 16. The tie I want to see because they finished second of the group. They can they can they can only have themselves to blame okay. for. So he rotated heavily. This is what he does. He does. He views the game differently. He says, you know, Lautaro and Barella. It's not like they didn't play in this game. They came on. No, His plan was to keep the game close and then send these dudes on to go and score the winner. It didn't work out. You know why it didn't work out? It has something that are. They've been a much better team in this competition. Yeah. Even when they played them in the other leg, no, where Inter got the draw, they didn't Inter didn't really deserve that. Um, so look, Rasulti Dad are better in the Champions League, but we'll see. He's got stuff up his sleeve. He, he genuinely believes in this rotation. I got no issue with it. Real Madrid traveled to face Union Berlin, and in contrast, Carlo Ancelotti played many of his regulars and gave Luka Modric 90 minutes. Yeah. They won 3-2 because, well, it's Union. Sorry, producer Freddie. But uh, was that a surprise? Surprised that he played Luka Modric for 90 minutes. Yeah, I, maybe. And Rodrigo. Modric was not happy. What's the, the point of starting Rodrigo in this game? Why not yeah. play some guy from Real Madrid B nobody's ever heard of? I know, you're right. Maybe it's just to keep that rhythm. Rodrigo was on good form. He was on good form again. Uh, on Tuesday night, so maybe maybe that was the, the reasoning. They scored four goals. They I thought looked good. Jose Luis scored two, which would be very good for his confidence. Maybe although they almost drew that game somehow, because I think Union <laughs> had like two shots at some point. But it's a win. They go 18 out of 18. I wonder what Volley does again. I know. Incredible. You know what? I think he did this because I haven't spoken to him. And please take this for what it's worth. But. This now gives him an excuse to drop Modric at the weekend and be like, Luca, yeah, you played true, 70 true. minutes uh, on, on and Sunday and 90 yeah. minutes here. Oh, sorry. Exactly. Yeah, first place was at stake as well when Atletico Madrid faced Lazio. It wasn't much of a contest, though. No, Lazio are not good right now. They're, they're just not good. I, and, you know, Sadi can mumble all he wants. Atletico Madrid are really good. They have yeah. better quality up and down the side. Yeah, I, I think, you know, there was a Zaccagni run and shot, which looked pretty good. But other than that, um, Atletico could have scored more in this yeah. one. I think Sadi's got a lot of things he needs to he needs to think about. Lons against Sevilla was only for a Europa League spot, but Jules, this was a proper game. It was amazing. And what happened to those traveling Sevilla fans? So they got in in the end. Remember we told you the story on Monday? They with, got with in. Were new, new buddies from Lons? No, well, yes and no, because then the uh, the highest court in France just cancelled. Oh, they overturned the ban. Yeah, overturned the ban but from the government. But they still fraternized and drank beer. And, yeah, it and was they, all they, good. Was it, was it moules and frites that they eat? Because they, they're, they're, no, they're, they're basically the Belgian, right? They eat those uh, baguette sandwich with... Uh, burgers and chips in the in the baguette, which yeah. is kind of gross if you're pretty. Oh, I mean, it's really heavy as well when you <laughs> eat it. But it was a great game. To be fair, Sevilla played well, especially in the first half. I think the pressure got to Lens, who were not good, but they managed to get a bit of a lucky pen. They scored there. Then even when Sevilla scored, Sergio Ramos his 17th goal in the Champions League in his career after missing the penalty, after missing, yeah, having <laughs> a, a, a retake. But then right at the end, Lens. Found a winner, they exploded, the whole stadium erupted. It's great. They will be in the Europa League and they deserve it. I'm so happy for that. All right. Can we, can we, can we, Joseph, if you're listening, can you, can, can we come to Lons yeah, and eat those we heavy sandwiches with you? We go for the playoff. For the playoff, yeah, yeah, please. We go, we go. Gab, horrific scenes though in Turkey where Farouk Koka, the uh, president of Ankara Gucu, ran onto the pitch after the end of their game at the weekend and attacked referee Halil Humut Mele after his team considered an injury time equalizer. To Kaiko Rizespor, I mean, it was really terrible to see. Uh, this, this is terrible. Um, for those who don't know, Omo uh, Meller is he's, he's an international referee. Yeah. He refereed the Conference League last year. He, he did a group game, I think, involving Celtic this year uh, as well. This guy, Farouk Kocha, he's not some you know local wastrel. Uh, he's a guy, he served two terms in parliament. Yeah. And what I find, and to, you know, to the Turkish authorities' uh, credit, he was arrested along with two other people. If you see the video, and the video is a tough watch because not only does the, does the guy get punched in the face, um, uh, Umut Meller, but 
as he's lying on the ground, he's surrounded by people. He gets kicked in the head. Yeah, by other members of as staff. Well. Yeah, the You're going to kick somebody in the head Players. while they're down? I know. I, I, I'm sorry. Like, there's got to be... They, 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 They've been arrested. Hopefully, they throw the book at them. There's also a suggestion he's been thrown out of his political party as yeah. well. What empowers somebody to do this in this super cowardly way? Yeah, yeah. Because you know what? I'm going to guess Uma Miller is about 20 years younger. If you were a man, Coach, this is how you resolve your stuff. Why don't you, why don't you go and meet Uma Miller in, a, uh, in an alleyway? Right. This is how you want to be a man, not surrounded by your goons and yeah. beat somebody up. This was absolutely horrendous. You know what made it even worse? What makes me even? I'm going to quote. This is from Turkish media. It was I got, got this off the BBC website. Quote from uh, Kocha, supposedly. This incident developed due to the wrong decisions and provocative behavior of the referee. My aim was to react verbally to the referee and then spit in his face. I mean, even that. So the justification is unreal. I, the spitting in the face. I, I, we're just at a loss. We're just at a loss. Jules, we left it very late to talk Arsenal oh. and PSV Eindhoven because there was nothing at stake and they yep. both or both go through. Do you have anything to say? And if not, I will ask you, do we need to stop making fun of Peter Boss? Yeah, we kind of, we've stopped already because of his incredible record in the league to start with 15 wins out of 15 games. That's insane. Insane. They played well against Arsenal, like a B team, a B Arsenal team. When PSV went pretty much, apart from Bad de Jong, replaced by Ricardo Pepe, who I thought had a good game, like Malik Tillman. Malik Tillman was very impressive, I thought, in that game. PSV played really well. They've got so much going for them. I, don't, I would not want to face them in the last 16, although I think they could be quite exposed because of the attacking style and the, because of the, Peter Bosch, the Bosch ball and the Bosch madness at times. But that was a good result for them, and that was a very good campaign for them. So, by the way, when we that. say Arsenal... B team, just to be clear, it's not like no, in one area and those other no names are playing. No, 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 but it it's was still like players who don't play much, like Kai Havertz, I was actually a little bit surprised that obviously the front three was the second choice front three, and, and you had Kivior uh, in there, but and you, know, you still had Gabriel and Saliba. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, nice to like, see that. Yeah. Yeah, nice to see get an Aaron Ramsdale. I know. Sorry. I know, exactly. <laughs> Napoli beat Braga 2 0 to secure second place, which we expected, but how about Victor Ozyman's back heel? Although he gets a bit lucky. Oh, he gets some, that's why I mentioned he gets so lucky. Talk about two weirdo goals to give up yeah. if you're Braga. Um, the first one, the own goal. And you can go check this out on YouTube. And then the Oseman one, he's almost, I mean, he would have scored anyway, yeah. but he clearly mishits it. He just kind of watches the ball and rolls so sideways into the, into the net. But I, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed, I, I thought Kratzkelia had a good game. Meret making a tremendous yeah. save on my boy Ricardo Horta. I told you Braga were good. Yeah, I told you good. Braga were good. I told you they finished ahead of, uh, of Union, which, hey, I mean, self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy. Benfica lost their first four games, three of them without even scoring a goal. But they went away to Salzburg and they won 3-1, which is what they needed to do to get into the Europa League. Incredible. And by the way, the reason we mentioned it, I know, I know, obviously there's a ton of Benfica fans out there. I don't know if there's any Salzburg fans at all, except for in the uh, Red Bull uh, boardroom. But this was really exciting, really dramatic. And Cabral, of all people, oh. former Europa Conference League top scorer. Of course. Former man sitting behind Jovic on the Fiorentina bench. Uh, he gets the crucial goal in the yeah. injury time. And talking about back heels for Ozyman, this one is a really, a real beauty, if you haven't seen it. On the turn as well to finish it in the 92nd minute. They, Benfica needed to win by two, by yeah. a two-good margin. Because they lost 2-0 at home. Exactly. Uh, and they did. It's just incredible. Really, Di Maria had a great game. Scored a, a goal Olimpico. A direct corner. Was, <laughs> I forgot about that too. Yeah, it was involved in the Rafa Silva who could have had a hat-trick. Rafa Silva kept missing chances and Benfica deserved it, really. But when Salzburg came back to 2-1, we thought, wow, okay, they might just get that third place and Benfica will be out of Europe altogether. But in the end, Benfica will be in the Europa League. So even if that came really late and it's a bit of a miracle, well done to Roger Schmidt and all the players. And not much at stake. On the other hand, for Leipzig against Young Boys, Gab, but still, they win 2-1 and Emil Forsberg scores before saying goodbye. Yeah, bye-bye, yeah, club legend Emil Forsberg. You know, when your history stretches all the way back to, what, uh, 2014, then it yeah. doesn't take that much to be a club legend, but, um, no, uh, heck of a player. Yusuf Poulsen might still dispute that club legend yeah, true. task. Um, but Sesko scored a great goal. Great goal. I was curious because I haven't, you know, he hasn't been playing that much uh, this season. Obviously, he's got a lot of competition up front. Yeah. 
But um, and he, he's funny because he's a gifted player, but he's one of those really tall guys who looks like a really tall guy yeah. on the ball, but still he's good. So I, I, yeah, I, I enjoy I enjoy yeah, a little highlight. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Jules Arne Schlott, as you know, is my current favorite bald Dutch manager. Um, there was nothing but pride at stake for his final team away to Celtic, and they lose 2-1. Arne Schlott, by the way, who looks a lot like our producer Freddie. Yeah. Now that producer Freddie cut his hair really, well, Freddie's really more short. handsome, though. Yeah, Freddie is more handsome. He's also about 20 years younger. Uh, <laughs> can they do something in the... In the Europa League, Feyenoord? I think so. I mean, they lost in the last minute. Like we said, again, they were already... Obviously, they had nothing to play for. Yeah, uh, we don't want to minimize Celtic's no, no, great achievement. Celtic. Because by the way, those guys get really first, first win at home in the Champions League in 10 years. They were on that incredible... They hadn't won at home in the Champions League for the last 15 games before Wednesday night. They were on one of the worst home run... Yeah, winless home run in the Champions League. Lille, Lille were above them, and then another team. Can I say something about these home runs, away run records, stuff like that? Yeah, I think it's all guff. Why? Because you mentioned earlier about United's run and how they were fortress Old Trafford. Now they're terrible at home. Um, Celtic, you would assume. It's like, why should Celtic be be bad at cycles. home in the Champions League when? You know, you got passionate fans. You have an incredible stadium. Uh, it's usually cold when you go there, so it's an adjustment. There's no rhyme or, or reason to it. It's just a little stat. Oh, I don't think there's any significance whatsoever. It is. It tell I, you I can't believe you're crowd. saying that. Are well, you saying Celtic fans suddenly became lame for ten years? But it's nothing to do with the fans. It's just that uh, this this was the run that they were on. They just could not win at home, despite the great support, the cold, whatever Celtic <laughs> Park, whatever you want to say. Welcome to paradise. But it just happened. And for Feyenoord, just to finish, yes, I think they could be very interesting in the Europa League. They've done really well in the two, in the Conference League and the Europa League in the last two seasons before. They play great. They've got Santi Jimenez. I don't know for how long, but right now, when the draw will be met, it will still be there. So they're good. They're Should so we start a rumor linking, rank, uh, linking Santi Jimenez to a big Premier League club in yeah, the northwest of fun. England that needs a centre forward? Yeah, like who play in red? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think that'd be great. Bookings for descent in the Premier League, Gab, are up from 24 last year to 80 already at this stage of the season. Are you surprised? I am not surprised because, you know what, Howard Webb, I, I, I remember this like it was yesterday, right? He came out. And he said, look, we really want to step down on this and surrounding the referee and all this stuff. Dissent, we're going to start showing cards. And people said, oh, yeah, we've heard this before from referees, like, you know, with a tighter VAR uh, interpretation a couple of years ago. Yeah. They said, we're going to stamp this out. And in a couple of weeks, and pundits get grumpy on television, managers complain, and then you go back and you... No, no. They, they, they've, they've done this. They've stuck with it. And I predict that now the rate of cards for descent is going to start going down because people understand there's VAR, right? Yeah. So you're not going to convince the referee to change his decision because there's a man in a booth most of the time and the referee knows about as much as you do about it. Yeah. Uh, and you will get booked for it. And the bookings pile up. And then people get suspended, whether it's Rodri or Nico Jackson, and it's 27 yeah. yellows, all of them for descent. No, it's yeah. not really 27, but it's a lot. So I, I, I think there's a learning curve. And I think this is, among the many issues that they've I had agree. this season, this is something I think that they've done well. I agree. Victor Osimhen is named Africa Footballer of the Year, beating out Ashraf Hakimi and Mohamed Salah. Jules, you love your awards. Does this yeah, make I sense? Yeah, I think so. Well done to him. I mean, he meant a lot. He went all the way to Marrakesh to uh, receive the trophy. Lovely it's not suit. that far from Naples. It's just no, a little shot across the man. The night before a Champions League match, by the way. But it meant, clearly it meant a lot to him. I think winning it probably and, and you know, be feeling like you're the best player in your continent. Also, the fact that you beat... Mo Salah, who's obviously an African legend too, who's won it many times. How did Hakimi finish ahead of Salah? Uh, the World Cup, you know. Uh, yeah, I know. But if, you, if, you, if I was to ask you who was the outstanding player at the World Cup from Hakimi's team, yeah, you might mention the goalkeeper. Oh, you know, yeah. Amra ba- yeah, uh, Hakimi see, I can, I can he's see. injured, he's in, he's out. Hakimi appeared still. And sticking with Ozyman, Gabi, Fabrizio Romano and others are reporting that they, which is Ozyman and Napoli, have finally agreed a new contract. Yeah, agreed, not signed. Um, I think it's a kind of contract that says, hey, let's hey. go and talk more. Because it's a one-year extension. I'm sure he got a bump in, in salary. And he got his clause in there, which is 130 million euros, which is a lot of money. This is what Napoli wanted. Yeah. Um, 
there's always give and takes, right? There's elements in a contractual negotiation. One is length of contract, one is the release clause, and one is the wages. So looking at this, uh, this suggests to me that he got a little bit more money, but yeah. not that much more money. Yeah. Uh, he, he got a win on the extension to making it just one year, which means they can have this conversation again in 12 again? months' time. Yeah. And the clause is just, just in case... You know, all of a sudden, you United get desperate or somebody okay, else yeah. and say, oh, like, and so this way, De Laurentiis doesn't lose out and Osimin doesn't lose out. Yeah. Asisad Oshuala, who plays for Barcelona and Nigeria. So it's a, it's a Super Eagles double. It is. Actually, are the women's team also the Eagles? No, or the, we, you know, the we, Falcons? Yeah, the, we the, said the different it last bird? time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a different bird. Okay. Said, anyway, it's a big yeah. success for Nigerian football. Yeah. Uh, she won the Africa Women's Footballer of the Year, beating out South well African uh, Tembi Katlana and Zambia's Barbara Banda. Uh, this is less of a surprise because this is actually the sixth time she's won the award, and she's still just 29 years old. Yeah. Uh, if she wins a few more, maybe <laughs> just name it after her. Maybe, or you think, yeah. you think if she keeps winning and like she ends up passing... Messi and Cristiano, or Cristiano especially, wow. uh, he's going to keep playing until he can win more. Maybe, maybe as many or more than Oshala. I don't know. The Super Falcons, by the way, are the uh, Nigeria That's what I thought, women's yeah. team. Well done to her. I mean, again, Nigeria, where I don't know if we can call them a surprise at the Women's World Cup, but obviously they did extremely well, and so did she, along with the goalkeeper. So I think she deserves completely this award. She's been great with Barcelona too, even if she's maybe not always starting. It's a very competitive. Uh, squad over there, but wonderful talent. And she was so you could see on the vid on the the coverage, she was just so excited that her and Ozyman won it. She was like, Oh, Victor, my boy, my boy, go and receive your try. It was brilliant, it was beautiful to watch. All right, uh, by the way, uh, Nigerian fans out there, I know we have a bit of a following in West Africa. I am genuinely curious why the men are eagles and the women are falcons because super like, falcons, even. super, well, Sorry, super, yeah. super yeah. eagles and super falcons, right. Because there are, I know for a fact, uh, I mean, I wasn't great in biology, but there are female eagles, right? Yeah. And there are male falcons. I suspect. Now, being an NFL fan, I always felt that, you know, perhaps eagles are generally more masculine and falcons, like especially the ones in Atlanta, are more feminine. Uh, but I don't, I don't quite follow that. I, I, I love, I'm sure there's a good story behind it. There must and, be, yeah. And so please... Let us know. Hit us up on social media. Premier League referee boss Howard Webb went on television to explain the Simon Hooper blooper the decision <laughs> when he didn't play advantage late in that Man City Spurs 3-3 draw, remember, and Jack Grish with through on goal. Gab, what did he say? So he said what we all speculated went through Hooper's head at the time. It was, it was a tough tackle on Holland, but because he's a Viking warrior, he popped straight back up and hit the ball. From where he was, he, he went to blow instinctively. He didn't realize that he, he thought Holland had just kicked the ball away and he didn't realize that Grealish was going to get there. It is a really bad mistake. He feels really bad. So Webb kind of repeated really the only possible explanation for this. But you know what? I'm glad he did. I'm glad there's somebody accountable going in front of the ca cameras. Even if you just think that's the third time or fourth time, there's still a, there's it's not good. bad mistakes happening. Yeah, but it's not the third or fourth time with Simon Hooper, is it? Yeah, but it was even worse. All right, Joel, since you've been good and you love awards, yeah. let's talk FIFA's Woo! The Best Awards. The best. Which I could care less about. But I mean, I'm guessing they're releasing the nominees like category by category because yeah. obviously they don't have the best men's player or best women's player but we do have the shortlisted for goalkeepers yeah. and coaches that's right so coaches it would be one of Pep Guardiola Luciano Spalletti or Simone Inzaghi gee I wonder who's going to win that one maybe Me the too. person who, who won who six won of six trophies tro yeah exactly for the women side of the game Vigman, Giraldez, and Emma Hayes are wait, the three. Wait, not the manager who won the who won the women who won World the World Cup. Cup? No, he's no, not no, there no, on that list. That. I wonder why. Uh, for the goalkeeper, we've got Bunu. Who would you who would you pick in the women's game? So I would pick Pep and Emma Hayes. In okay. the two, 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 two managers. Didn't Chelsea lose in the Champions League? Or, but they're still in the yeah. I mean, okay. all right, all the right, thing right. about Giraldez and Barca, they're just so good. Right. That I just think that before Emma Hayes leaves the domestic uh, club industry or circuit, if you want, before going for the women national team in the US, I think she right. deserves recognition for everything that she's done 
and I, and I know the Champions League obviously went to Barcelona. And you don't go with Serena Wagner because she's the Dutch girl. She's the Dutch girl, <laughs> and England lost the final okay. against Spain in right. the World Cup. So I've got I've got a soft spot for Emma Hayes. That's why. Who would you go for then? Uh, I don't watch the women's game as closely as you do. Um, I think, from what I understand, both Emma Hayes and Giraldes both have really well-resourced teams. Yeah. Um, Emma Hayes probably faces more competition in her domestic league, so yeah. maybe I might go with Emma Hayes. Okay. And for the goalkeepers, we've got Bruno Courtois-Edison for the men, Mackenzie Arnold, Catalina Cole, and Mary Herbs, Mary Herbs for the women. I think it's, it's for the men. Right, so, okay. So... I, for the men, I'll make this very simple. For me, I think Courtois is the best goalkeeper in the world, right? Right. He's also been injured for half the season. Yeah. But I don't think Ederson had a great year last year. I think he's had a better year this year. But again, how do you judge these guys who only face shots once in a while? Um, but he did win the treble. I think yeah, I would go with Bruno because, because of the run and because of the Europa League and whatever else, even though he's kind of disappeared um, since then. But yeah, it'll be an interesting one. I yeah, it'll be interesting. This one, I think, is the most kind of even where most you can have an argument. Yeah, contested, sorry. Where you can have a, an argument for each three of them. And on the women's side, I think Mary Hubs had a really good season, of course, especially with England. Whether but you, you swore in a game, so that should disqualify. I know, whether you like that or not, the swearing. <laughs> I think Catalina called for the whole story of her and the Spanish national team, her getting into the team, starting, winning the World Cup. It's just incredible. So okay. for me, it w- she would be my pick. And we're not going to go with Mackenzie Arnold because she it's out weird French, so it and unnatural her. when your first name is a last name and your last name is a first name, right? <laughs> and she beat the French, so she can't. Okay, yeah. she sorry, can't sorry, sorry, Mackenzie. Can't have my vote. The Premier League has passed a new law, Gabby, which says that teams can only amort- amortize, amortize. amortize contracts over five years. You love talking about this. So no yeah. more eight-year contract for Mudrick. That's kind of stuff. That's not what I mean. You can only have a five-year deal. You can sign him to an eight-year deal. Okay. But you can only amortize, which is where you basically get the cost of um, of, of, of the, the transfer yeah. fee, essentially, and 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 the salary. You you have to do that over five. Uh, yeah. Over over five years, essentially. They're they're taking their lead from UEFA. This is to do with financial fair play or financial stability rules, as they're now done this was a workaround and now that loophole is closed we knew this was going to happen it just seems reasonable yeah. you'd have the same rules with uefa's uh financial stability rules that you do in the premier league will still oh. the ginger wonder he was strongly linked to to sunderland and yes. the wacky owner um but he's not gonna go is he? no he's not gonna go i don't think so interestingly enough though he met with sunderland it was even his agent who made the first contact Clearly, I think we'll still... He met with Kirill? With Kirill with Refus, of course, the owner of Sunderland, who is the son of Margarita and Robert and the, the ne- And he's the uh, nephew of Julia Louis Dreyfus from uh, Seinfeld as well, no? <laughs> I, I don't think so, but And maybe. Veep as well. I'm not Great too familiar with her. Um, and I find it interesting that we'll still kind of put himself forward for this job, for the Sunderland job, in the championship, right. doing well in the championship, but still... Uh, he's doing a great job, of course, at Reims. He's a bit dreading the fact that they're going to lose key players with AFCON and the Asia Cup. And I think he's thinking, now nah, my, my reputation is really high because Reims who are eighth in Ligue 1, so he's doing really well. If by the end of the season, especially after the AFCON and Asian Cup, we fall to 12 because we've lost five in a row because of the players missing, then my reputation might not be as good. I, d- I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. But... I don't think Reims, I don't think Sunderland could have paid off Reims for him anyway. There would have been a, a small fee. And Reims, I don't think, would have been very happy. And we're still kind of, he's still enjoying Ligue 1 right now. It's a good league for him to keep learning. Let's not forget, he's only 32 years old. But I thought that was a right. really interesting you know, little story. So I have zero idea about the championship, but I'm familiar yeah. with Sunderland. They tell me that Ipswich are doing rather well. Yes. Um, is it possible Ipswich and Sunderland will be back in the Premier League? I think it is possible. And then they'll replace some of these off-brand Fugazi sides, and we have two proper historical top-flight teams back in the top flight. Some, some fans from Sheffield United Burnley are not going to be happy with you. And Luton. I'm not talking about Burnley. Okay, okay. Uh, Gab, FIFA revealed 
that in 2023 clubs have paid 888.1 million dollars that's 888.1 million dollars in agent fees yeah so obviously this is a whole big number but if i told you they paid 8 billion in agent fees or 80 million you'd say oh that's a big number right yeah. significant here is they're up 42.5% and this is at a time when actually if you exclude saudi arabia yeah spending was flat or even down a little bit. So this tells me that of that if they've gone up 42.5%, a huge chunk of those fees were paid by the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia yeah. to agents. The reason like these numbers go out, people talk about, "Oh, look, money going out of the game, blah blah blah. Oh, you know, this is terrible." And FIFA says, "Ha, ah, see, we need to regulate this and cap agent fees." You know my views on this. I think they should regulate it. They should regulate it with a lot more transparency, not necessarily capping. If somebody wants to go and pay George Mendes $75 million for a free transfer, that's their choice. Yeah. But the fans should know what their club is spending money on so that they can hold people accountable. That's right. Moises Caicedo has told Telemundo that Chelsea fans haven't oh, seen no. the real Caicedo. Um, they haven't seen the real Romeo Lavia either because the poor no. fellow has been injured all year. But that he's grateful to Mauricio Pochettino for protecting him. Jules, accountability, my word of the day. This is I accountability mean, from Caicedo. We would have destroyed him if he had said, I've been great. I played my best football at Chelsea. Look how, look how well am I doing. No, but for somebody so, to say, look. Well, to say I the truth, we're uploading now? Well, how often we would have said, oh, the difficult season. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. True. You could have done an Eric Ten Hag and said, I'm, I'm, I'm great. I'm amazing. Yes, okay, good for him. So, how's Pochettino protecting him by not coming out and saying, damn, Caicedo had another rubbish game? I, know, I, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe they're very close at training you know, during the week. Yeah. Because during the games, I'm not sure how much Poch is protecting him, considering that he's leaving him all exposed. There's no structure to this Chelsea team, as we've said before. But I just. Yeah, I just want to see Caicedo is best. We always want to see. Yeah, well, look, we can debate. Whether he was worth all the money they paid for him, there's no question that he played at a really high level. There's just no question he's still very, very yeah, young. exactly. In a position where players often blossom when they're a little older. Yeah, he just need a bit of structure around him, I think. Yeah, and Gab, this went back to Monday night, but you wanted to talk about the, Caglia, the Cagliari-Sassuolo game. Yes, yeah, so obviously it's not a high-profile game. And, but again, if you like to kill time on YouTube, <laughs> go and check this out because this is pretty... Pretty remarkable, right? So, Kamaldin Suleimana, early in the game, yeah. he elbows Sassuolo's Christian Torsved in the mouth, right? Yeah. Torsved, uh, on purpose or not on purpose? Just, I think it was accidental, okay. but Suleimana's a strong dude, and he absolutely nails him. I mean, like the guy, the guy lost two teeth. There's like blood gushing out of his mouth. Christian Torsved, by the way, fun fact, his dad is Eric Torsved, former Tottenham goalkeeper. Whoa, okay. And I am imagining little Christian becoming uh, a professional footballer because he got the practice in the back garden against his dad, who's a professional goalkeeper. Amazing. Right? That's pretty neat. Yeah. Torsved, being a Viking, uh, ends stays up playing. On. Yeah, oh, stays on. Boy. No problem there. It's like, you know, it's, it's just as only as his mouth and blood keeps coming out. So Swallow take the lead. And then in injury time, they can see the equalizer, the fourth minute of injury time, and in the sixth minute of injury time, it's that man, Pavoletti, the man who seemingly only scores in injury time yeah. with a dramatic overhead kick for the winner, for, uh, for Cagliari, for Claudio Ranieri, uh, for Jakub Bianco, by the way. Uh, Sid Lowe went and interviewed him. You should yeah. go, I'm going to plug it. You should go check it out. Spent a lot of time with him. There's good video of it yeah. as well, kind of explaining, you know, the highest profile uh, footballer to come out as gay by far. I mean, yeah. And who's not just a, you know, publicity-seeking dork, like somebody I could mention. Um, so, uh, whatever. Nice, heartwarming Very nice. story. Jules, mark your calendar. We said it would happen because there are tickets to be sold and attention yeah. to be drawn. And I think we like to see this. The February 1st, Cristiano yeah. against Messi again. And like all major sporting exhibitions, yeah. I actually haven't checked. So if I'm wrong, tell me. I'm assuming it's going to be in Saudi Arabia. I think so. I think <laughs> so, Gabby. Al Nasser against Inter Miami, of course. I don't know in what kind of physical state Messi would be. But obviously, it would be there. 
<laughs> what physical state? These guys, the season's they will over. They'll be like in preseason. Got three months to rest. Well, yeah, but they would be. It's MLS preseason. Pre also, what I know, but still, they would be traveling. The guy to, walks around the pitch. Only traveling to Hong Kong and Guatemala and wherever I know, Saudi Arabia, all of that to play friendly exhibition like if it was Pelé and Santos back in the uh, back in the old <laughs> days just to showcase Messi all around the world. I mean, wow. How awesome would it be if Luis Suarez was there too? It and would he be. goes and he bites Cristiano. Oh my God, imagine. I'd be watching on February 1st. All right. So I'm sure I. you would be. I'm buying the pay-per-view, When the last time Cristiano and Messi played against each other? Uh, I don't know. Answers on a postcard. That'd be a while ago. Giorgio Chiellini has retired from football, Gab. It's a sad day. We touched upon this on Monday, of course, after the MLS Cup. But now you've written about him. So plug your piece, as you often do. <laughs> uh, exactly. It's called Synergy. Um, no, I was just struck by one thing about Chiellini. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, might be right, interesting things. I said two things about Chiellini. One is the fact that He's supposed to be a villain, right? People know Italian football is so polarized between Juve fans and people who are anti-Juventus, yeah. right? So the dude was there for 18 years. Um, he's the guy who generally beat up your center forward, beat up in a, in a sporting way. So you're supposed to absolutely hate him, right? And yet, it's hard to hate him because he has the goofy smile wow. and the big nose and so on. And... I, that was something that I thought really weirdly endearing um, about him. And off the pitch, of course, he is a good guy. The other thing, he said something really, really simple. People talked, he, he was on, just, just last night, he was on television on, on Sky Italia with Billy Costa Curta and stuff like that. And they asked him, well, you know, you, you played until you were really old. Um, and you, know, you were known for your ability to kind of anticipate. I don't know, how did you keep playing when you got older and slower and you had your injuries? And he said, film study. He said, every player that I played against, every player's got tendencies, right? Yeah. You play the percentages, they're more likely to go yeah. one way or the other one. They're, this is their foot. They make this kind of run. And he made it seem so freaking simple. And then I realized it applies to every sport. And I actually think every time I watch a game, and you must have, we've talked about this before, yeah. right? You know this guy's going to favor one foot. You know this guy's going to shift his body this way, right? Yeah. Why isn't there more film study? I don't know, that's a good question. There should be, there should be. By the way, Messi and Cristiano faced in January when PSG played that all-star Saudi team. Do you remember? I mean, I'd forgotten about that game. So. Well, there you go. This, this one will be far real, more memorable. This is a real game. This is not like an all-star <laughs> game. This is real. It's real friendly. Uh, Jules, that brings us to an end. But we got to come back on Monday and do this all over again. Yes. Because the mighty Liverpool, who are top of the league, host uh, Manchester United and a bunch of other games as well. So until then, love the game, love your neighbor, love yourself. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Taco Tuesday over salad? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gab jewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash gab jewels now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gab jewels.